0: there we go, we're back again for another Man United preview and today I've got a Newcastle fellow podcaster on as well who will be able to help me preview Man United versus Newcastle on Sunday. For the record, this is done before the Man United rail Real Sociedad game on Thursday, mostly because I don't want to be doing a podcast when Man United are playing. So uh, let me just introduce you to Lewis. So Lewis, thank you very much for joining the call at short notice. How are you doing?
1: No worries, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm feeling really good. A bit nervous about the game this weekend, but
0: You know, you do what you can do. That's definitely it. Uh, Just before we get into the preview, Lewis, do you know? just tell everyone about your podcast that you're doing as well?
1: Yes, so uh, me and one of our best mates from university have started our own podcast uh, during lockdown. Uh, What else are you going to do in a national pandemic? You might as well. So, yeah, obviously the amount of football there is, we thought why not give our opinion on it, you know, try and be funny with it, just basically waffle on about football because that's what we like to do. So, yeah, it's called It's Football Day. Uh, It was a bit of a take off the famous Green Street film uh, where uh, the main character's got a terrible Cockney accent seeing as he's from Newcastle. And the way he says it's football day is just funny. So, yeah, we made a podcast where we literally every Friday just talk about all the Premier League games, uh, place our own bets, talk about FPL and um, kind of have a competition between the two of us as who can predict the most scores right out of like a Super 6 style format. Brilliant.
0: That's good to hear. And for the record, that actor Charlie Hunnam actually became really good at acting further down his career and he actually got a cockney accent uh done and dusted eventually i think it was in yeah. he didn't do one in the gentleman he did a like, classic northern accent he did like in, a, in the gentleman. classic
1: northern in the gentleman and he's americans pretty good in sons of anarchy so we, you know what we'll give him it, it we, we'll it, it'll him take it. that
0: i really liked him in king arthur as well so yeah charlie Hanna if you yeah. want to check him out is a is a <laughs> fantastic actor not not what we're here to do but we may as well talk about him um but no, Lewis, thanks very much for answering the call on LinkedIn when I was asking for a Newcastle fan to join the call. And I'm really glad that, again, you're, we're two peas in the pod. We're two people that started a podcast in lockdown. And we're, again, I'm with my friends. we talk about, We talk about football and mental health and um, ways of combating mental health with the love of football, basically. And that's something that we've been doing again since the second lockdown. So two P's in the pod. And I thought, you know what, let's try and get some football previews in for our podcast and I've done a couple with a few of my old school friends who I haven't seen in years and they really enjoyed it but this is going to be completely different because we've never met but I know that your I know your podcast is very fun to listen to I listened to it yesterday evening before today and like I said it's just a fun jolly podcast to listen to and we're just going to see how Newcastle and Man United do so let's let's get into it shall we brilliant first things first Callum Wilson is injured right
1: yeah so a uh, hamstring injury out for six to eight weeks. So you guys are absolutely buzzing about that. Yes, uh, It's really not great for us.
0: <laughs> what other injuries do you have? Is saint Maximum back?
1: Uh, so saint Maximum's back. He had COVID and was out because uh, of long COVID. Like, he really felt the effects of it. Mm. But he's back. So he got a full 90 minutes the other day. So Olney got like 70 minutes. So hopefully he'll be back for this game and fighting fit. But we have lost Fabian Share. He's out for the rest of the season oh, uh, with a knee injury um, against, uh, who is it, who did play last, Southampton. Two players went for the ball and his knee just basically got shattered. So he's out for the rest of the season. Um, we've always got our defensive woes with like Paul Dummitz out still. And Kieran Clark. you know, he's made a lot of mistakes and he's not quite match fit all the time. So, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one for us. A real, real
0: tricky one. No, even with us, like before we were playing Sociedad tomorrow, again, this is going to be recorded after the Sociedad game, but to clarify, Donny van der Beek's got an injury, Cavani's got an injury, Pogba's still out, Bailly may return, so we've got injuries of our own, but again, yeah. we've regressed since the new year, basically, from what I've seen, ever since like the Wolves game. Again, we've done really well in the FA Cup, winning against West Ham and Liverpool, but there are games we should have won, and we've lost our title fight. I for one didn't yeah. believe we were going to go anywhere near the title fight and challenging Man City at the moment. But they've gone to show we've we've lost against Sheffield United at home. We've drawn to West Brom, a team that Harry Maguire wants to make uh complaints about, saying, Oh yeah, the referees don't help us and West Brom is a hard place to come to. But like six, seven teams that have gone to West Brom this season have scored more than four goals. So and that's with Sam and Sam Allardyce and with Billich manager. So yeah. That's really annoyed me when players start to complain a lot. Just get on with it, do the job, and Newcastle is a historically very easy team for Man United to beat, especially at Old Trafford. But historically, things haven't really gone our way this season, so we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, it's really setting you guys up for a failure here. Like, but then, uh, then again, you look at our form, and yeah, you're at. Uh, I genuinely think you'll be fine, which is unfortunate to say as a Newcastle fan. But this this fixture's one that, like, I always. I love watching because it's always a great game. It's always a great game, but we're just always on the the poor, the like yeah, the wrong end of the result. Unfortunately, like in the past five games, there's been eighteen goals in this fixture. Like four ones twice last year, or four one already this season, and the last result was four one as well. So yeah, God knows what's gonna happen.
0: I really believe we're gonna win. I think it's gonna be a two one win. I don't see us keeping a clean sheet, but it's gonna be a scrappy two one win. Probably Greenwood and. Probably Bruno Fernandes, as always, the man's on fire this season that's going to score. Um, but realistically, our defence has been shoddy since the turn of the year, since Bayes dropped out of the team with injury. Um, De Gea, I'm not sure. I want I love David De Gea as much as I love any Man United player. But the fact that he isn't as commanded as he once was under Jose Mourinho, or under Van Gaal, it's worrying for me and it's worrying for Man United fans because... When you see goalkeepers making silly mistakes, or when they're not like the Calvert Lewin thing, for example, that really annoyed yeah. me. How we didn't just command and take charge, and again, it's it's upsetting to see because we're dropping points, stupid points where we shouldn't really. Um, yeah, that,
1: those points you'll really rue those, uh, like coming into the season against West Brom recently, like and like like you said, the points you lost at Sheffield United, they'll definitely. They, they, you want to be fighting for the title as it is, but definitely top four. And it's such a tight race at the moment with obviously surprisingly West Ham doing well, but also Leicester keeping up form, beating Liverpool. Like you're going to be up there, but it's just whether these lost points will really affect it that massively.
0: I believe it will. I'm I'm a big believer in that because we've seen that so many times over the years when um, title chasing teams like Liverpool under Benitez, Man United under, um, excuse me, Man United under Sir Sorax Ferguson in the latter years. That season when Man City won, we dropped so many points against like Everton and um, other teams where we shouldn't have dropped points, like against Liverpool really, where um, the, the season afterwards, we won the league by February, March time, which is crazy. Yeah. So we kind of knew what we were doing. But um, realistically, I see us playing like a 4-2-3-1, four, four, yeah, yeah, our classic Solskjaer formation. Defense will probably be easy, like Wan Bissaka, Maguire, Lindelof, and Luke Shaw at the back. Midfield, most likely, it's going to be Fred McTominay. He loves that he loves that pairing, that double pivot. Yeah. And McTominay has been really good recently with scoring goals. But I, I'm one of those fans that want to see Van der Beek play a bit more. Him and Fernandez would do really well, and they did really well against Newcastle away earlier this season as well. Which is why I prefer Van der Beek in that number eight position rather than the number mm-hmm. ten position, personally. And then Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Greenwood. I would say he would start, and if Cavani's fit, play Cavani. But Marshall will have to play. Unfortunately, he's been off it this season. That's been unfortunate. That's how I would predict my Man United starting tonight to go. That
1: lineup does scare me, especially the way your fullbacks are playing. Luke Shaw this season has he's having a blinder. And the the funny thing is, on our podcast, we were slating him at the start of the season because in the first couple, of uh, like the first, I'd say, what eight to ten games I think his FPL return was poor because he kept conceding and he gave away own goals and got yellow cards but ever since then he's got assists he's got that in his game it was ever since the Tottenham game when he gave away that really silly foul um, on uh, Lucas Moura when he just took him out ever since then he's had a massive resurgence and he's been
0: fantastic because that game afterwards was the game against Newcastle as well where again he did the he made that mistake for the first goal that yeah. we conceded against you as well. And then ever since then, it's just cracked on and I agree with you 100%. And the signing of Alex Tellez, everyone can say, like, that's not a very easy thing to say, or, or what a really good left-back has come into the club to challenge him. But it's all down to him at the end of the day. He's done the hard yards himself, has been consistent for us as well. And you don't see many managers subbing on fullbacks at like 60, 70 minutes to go. Yeah. And Solskjaer has done that when he subbed off Tejas for Luke Shaw to try and impact the game a bit more. And... We'll just see how that goes for the rest of the season if he can make it to the England squad in the Euros. Yeah, he's
1: definitely having a resurgence to get there. It's just his work rate, like he's constantly running up and down that left flank. And I remember Jose Mourinho kind of criticised him for being like putting on the pounds and stuff like that. And his work rate wasn't good. And obviously he had that horrible leg break, we've got to remember, that's going to affect your confidence, your career, had taken like a whole year out. But this season he's been on fire, running that wing, uh, like running the left hand side and then, putting balls in and obviously got the assist the other day, put it right to his right back partner in a Wambasaka and it. it was lovely.
0: Yeah. Again, uh, I agree with Jose Mourinho because when you go to, when you go to the games and you're literally shouting at Luke Shaw, get past the halfway line, support Marshall on the left, support Rashford on the left, Mkhitaryan when he was playing at the time, but he took his time personally. And yeah. it was really annoying because one game I always highlight to my friends and family who ask about Luke Shaw the game against Brighton in the FA Cup on our road to the final against Chelsea, but we lost. But um, he's playing for the first 45 minutes. Martial was on the left and he got subbed off at halftime. Ashley Young came on again as a left back and he ended up assisting Matic for our second goal to kind of solidify that game against Brighton. And it was little things like that where he just wasn't putting the effort in because he was feeling unappreciated by the manager. And you Mm -hmm. understand that. It's it's like if your boss was getting angry at you for doing your job, but you're still angry. You're still getting angry comments every now and then. It's, it's not nice. But yeah, yeah, that's my prediction for the game, and that's my starting eleven prediction as well. I don't. For me, Fabian shares is, is probably one of the best centre backs at your club. I'd say probably the best centre back at your club. I'm a really big fan of him. But yeah. personally, how do you see the game going for Newcastle?
1: So yeah, I 100 agree. He is our best centre back. Um, we uh, kind of everyone kind of thinks Jamal shells would be our best centre back. But technically, he's not great. He's got a lot of heart, and he's he loves the club, and you know he's our captain. He's brilliant at leading, but technically, he's not the best centre back we have. I much rather prefer Federico Fernandez, uh, Fabian Shearer, and uh, even Kieran Clark at times when he gets rid of the mistakes. Them are technically better than him. Um, Fabian Shearer's great at bringing the ball out; like he can just run with the ball, and we've seen him score absolute bangers against Burnley and. You know, making plays where it's just he does it all on his own. So having him out is gonna be a huge loss. Um, obviously Darlow's keeping Bravka out of the team at the moment still, like Debravka's back and he can't get a look in.
0: I'm I'm a bit skeptical about that one because Bravka had his debut against Man United that, that day at St. James's yeah. Park and one of the best goalkeeping performances I've seen from a Newcastle goalkeeper in the last decade, I, I would say, personally, I would say. Because yeah. he kept, what, Sanchez, Lukaku, Rashford, Marshall, Mata, Pogba out, and we lost that game 1-0 when we should have really won 4-1. Yeah, I think, he... I think, I think he, it was 1-0 you, you won. 1-0. Yeah,
1: I think it was. Uh, he was absolutely brilliant that game. I think it was like three years ago he made his debut, and he was, yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. And ever since then, he's been very consistent. But obviously, with his injury and Carl Darlow getting in the start of, getting in the starting squad at the start of the season, and really solidifying his pace. Like, it's, you know, that's a horrible choice for Bruce to have because it's a good choice because you want to have two great keepers. But what, do you bring the Brav in now um, after Darlo's Obviously, we've gone a bit down downhill a little bit, losing to Chelsea 2-0, losing to Crystal Palace 2-1. Do we now switch it up? I don't know. So I don't really know how he's going to go with the keeper. Uh, at the back line, we'll probably, yeah, go with Jamal Lewis. He's been really good at left back and probably a mill craft at right back because i think man has got a slight knock and okay. then we'll probably play a 5 at the back formation and put isaac hayden at center back with Jamal shells and kieran clark yeah um and isaac hayden yeah fair play to him he's been brilliant when he has played center back but we will kind of play that 5 at the back formation cuz steve bruce is scared of the big teams it's, but it's i genuinely don't know sometimes what lineup he wants to go with because he keeps changes from a 5 at the back against the smaller teams and then a four at the back against the bigger teams. So I generally don't know how it's going to go. And then in the mid, we'll probably have, yeah, um, Shelby. And I hope one of the Longstaff brothers will be back.
0: Matty um, Longstaff, it's the guy that just scores <laughs> against us all the time when he plays. That Awful. is
1: uh, one of my favorite, favorite Newcastle Man United memories was Matty Longstaff's 1 0 winner on his debut as well. As, yeah, goosebumps for that. And then um, we'll probably play, um, obviously, Alan Say Maximum don't know if he'll get the full 90. Um, and then, yeah, Almiron, who's been brilliant for us. Um, really good attacking player. I I absolutely adore him. I think he's a great player for us. There was a lot of questions about him the past couple of seasons when we did sign him because he didn't have an end product, but he's starting to get that. He's got, um, he got eight goals last season and he's on six goals already this season across all competitions. Not that we're in many of them anymore, but, um, and then hopefully we carry on playing Gao up top rather than Joel Linton. Because yep. I'm just not a fan of Joel Linton, unfortunately. Like he his work rate is brilliant, but he's not an out and out striker. He is more of a left mid player, but we don't need him when we got Alex same Alan say maximum. Like he's just an absolute baller.
0: Just good just to go back before we carry on. Who did you want to have in goal? I know you you not. okay. Who would you want to have in goal? The Bradko or
1: uh, I would probably go Bravka for this game because I need to I need to remind myself how good he is because yep. Dalo's playing so well. I'm kind of forgetting how good Bravka actually was for us, but he is the reason we are still in the Prem the past two seasons. The amount of shots he's kept out, and, you know, Kyle dalo has got the best save rate this season, but that's only because he's facing so many shots. Definitely. Like, he is. genuinely. It's not like he's a world-class keeper, which he's a great keeper, great English keeper, but he's not world-class but he's just saving so many shots because he's facing so many shots he just kept but busy
0: yeah. all 90 minutes basically even with the at the back
1: because we just sit back and let invite the pressure and eventually if you keep hitting a wall so hard it will break and that's what happens to us so i'm gonna go with i'd like to see the starting in goal i think that would be my preferred choice just because he has got the history of um, like doing well against Man United. He's a great shot stopper and I think we're going to face a lot of shots. But, you know, I'd be happy either way. But in terms of results, I I think we'll lose. I I don't think we'll score. Um, I think we're going to lose 3-0. And the only reason why is because I watched the game against Chelsea the other night and we are in a relegation fight and we did not look like we cared one bit against Chelsea. Um, I think we had, two shots all game and both of them are off target and we're currently sitting in 18th at the moment, oh no, 17th at the moment. Yes, we've got like nine point gap on, you know, your Fulham, US Brown, your Sheffield but we're still sitting in 17th. We need to keep building this gap and we had no fight against Chelsea whatsoever the other night.
0: That's worrying to hear as well because what annoys me about Newcastle is Newcastle and Burnley over the last few seasons are those kind of teams that are just laying down the middle to bottom part of the Premier League table. They always survive, but they don't really seem to kind of kick on and learn their lesson. Like mm. uh, teams like West Ham, Ruston Villa have done this season. You could say Brighton are in that bracket as well. Yeah. They're going up and down every now and then with Graham Potter. But it's little things like making the right transfers and making sure Joe Linton's settled in the club. And for me, Joe Linton probably needs a strike partner to work with him as well. It's the kind of like Anthony Marshall. Anthony Marshall plays better as a, as a winger, personally. Mm. But he scores more as a number nine, obviously, as well. But with Anthony Martial, he needs to feel the love. And last season, he did really well. And the first season under Van Gaal, he did really well when he was both number nine. But when he's playing as a number 11 or when he was number 11 as our left winger, doesn't really care. And it's it's annoying to see because he's in like Rashford's main position where Rashford could do more damage. Mm. But Solskjaer won't put Mata or Daniel James on the right, no matter how... Bad martial plays. He'll still play that, st- that same front yeah. three, front four all the time, which really annoys me because Mata made an impact when he came on the bench, came off the bench against Newcastle earlier the season as well. And him, Van der Beek, and Fernandes did really well in those counter attacking goals to yeah. finish you off, really. And that's something I could say about Juan Mata so many times that he's actually a game changer for us, and he should start yeah. a lot more games than he should. But we'll see what happens on, on the weekend.
1: I definitely want it to be a good game. I want to see a lot of goals, uh, even if they're against us. I just want it to be entertaining. Like, the thing I've said on our own podcast, one our host, is, um, I know we're not going to go out and win every single game. I've got no misconceptions of that. I know we're not going to win the league. And Newcastle fans get a lot of stick for, you know, just, thinking that they're, well, like people say that we think we're better than we actually are. It's not that. We just want to see entertaining football. When I think back to the times when we had Andy Cole, Alan Shearer, Les Ferdinand, I didn't care if we lost. We never won a title. We never won a cup, but we played good football. Um, we always looked really good. We were always having a great time. And we looked really good when we were playing football and we enjoyed it. And that's what fans like to see. But we just weren't having any of that... Um, at all recently in past recent years has been really really boring to watch and really negative football
0: and for me um, I'm not a big fan of him but Alan Pardew when he got mm. when he got the team with like Ben Arthur Cissé Denver Bar uh, Kabay Kabaya, in the team as
1: Collegini. well they were great great signings and
0: that was not... when Newcastle were box office in the last 10, 15 years for me, I would say, when you can remember watching them and thinking, you know what, I want to watch a Newcastle game this weekend. It's on TV and, and we're going to enjoy it because you see all of these uh, social media posts, the streets will never forget. Denver Bar, Papas, Hassan, yeah. and Alpha. But But honestly, they were fantastic players to watch and they were lively players. And there was that game, um, it was after a lot of them left. You were playing against the Louis van Gaal team. It was a nil-nil game in, in August. But it's a game yeah. you should have won. It's just, again, you didn't replace the players that you had doing really well for you. Because, again, you do the transfer policy at Newcastle was non existent for me. I don't see where you're shopping and I don't see who you're trying to go for. There's no real recruitment plan. That's from the outside, but I'm not sure if that's any different yeah. for you as a fan. So
1: with us we Mike Ashley refuses to buy anyone over a certain age. He likes to invest in youth. So when we signed Callum Wilson for 20 million, we're a bit shocked. like everyone didn't expect it um, because he's so we're so used to li- like watching him and looking at him buy players that you know will be good eventually. Um, like when we bought uh, when we got on loans, Solomon Rondon, fantastic for us that year. He kept us in the Premier League. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, did we go and sign him? No. We just let him go back to West Brom and then he signed for a Chinese side. He followed Rafa Benitez. So, you know, the transfer policy he has is just sign young players and hope they do well, Um, which was, yeah, very, very poor. The only time I've seen us have a good transfer policy was when we got relegated, when Leicester won the league in 2015-16. And uh, Rafa Benitez went and bought a load of players that had played in the championship. We bought Richie, we bought Isaac Hayden. um, We bought all these players that, We're good enough to play week in, week out in the Championship and get us back to the Premier League. And we've done it in a season. It was brilliant. Ever since then, we've not really signed anyone that is of um, major quality. It's all promising start. Don't get me wrong. ASM, great. And he's a fantastic player for us. Almiron, great, fantastic player. But they're not world beaters. They're not... They weren't Premier League proven players. They've just grown into it. So Callum Wilson was the first one where I've looked at and I've gone... That's actually a brilliant signing because we needed that. Even Ryan Fraser uh, bring the two of them together because they've both got Premier League experience, scored goals in the Premier League. And, well, it's paid off for us so far. Callum Wilson's got, well, he's nearly on 10 goals already for us. Yeah. And for a team that don't really score much, we've got to take it.
0: Yeah, because I'm a big fan of Callum Wilson. I'm a big fan mm. of how his kind of lead in the attack for you single-handedly Again, this is just from an outside point of view because yeah. I've got him in my fantasy football team, so <laughs> I'm always happy when he scores goals for me and assists. But it's, again, something that you want to... With Mike Ashley at the wheel, he's kind of playing football manager and FIFA with your club. He's like, oh, yeah, they're they've got a potential of 86 to 90, but they end up not really improving. But it's, again, one of those things where if you can actually buy players that are proven in the Premier League, like you did in the championship, even if they're not like Jeff Hendricks was a good buy for you, I thought free transfer. Yeah. he's decent. He's done a job at Burnley before, and he's going to do it for Newcastle as well. Personally. I'm happy with that he's he's
1: definitely a squad player, and um yeah, brilliant. He's a brilliant squad player. Like week in, week out, he does his job. He knows what he does. Puts in the tackles when you need him to. Um, I'm, yeah, I was a bit when I got it when I saw it come through. I was like, I don't really understand it, but then as he's played, I'm like, no, he's just a solid Premier League player. Like he does it the job you need him to do. Um, obviously, we signed Joe Willock in this transfer window, which is, you know, good because he's a young player, scored a goal in his debut against Southampton, probably will play in this game as well. So it would be interesting to see what he can do. But our biggest signing of this year has been Graham Jones as the backup um, kind of assistant manager, the striking coach, because since he's joined, um, we barely scored many goals in any game. And now we've scored six goals in like three games. Um It's a huge change. We obviously scored three against Southampton, two against Everton, who are both doing well, and got one against Palace. So, you know, I can't complain too much. He's been a great signing for us in the backroom staff.
0: And that's something that I'm quite passionate about as well, the fact that you can have a really good coach that can improve current players in the team. And a lot of fans don't see that. And again, Mm. for me being like a football scout, you see how you can improve a player as a football coach. But what I'm really passionate about is how existing players can improve with new members of staff there and yeah it's the same with um a lot of people won't recognize this but darren fletcher became a coach for man united two three months ago and mm-hmm. if you look at how pogba has gone from a good midfielder every one in two games this season has played because he has been brilliant this season he went yeah. from every single game being really good at his defensive work as well that game against burnley the game against liverpool in the premier league as well darren fletcher's had a huge impact on our midfield and yeah. Scott McTominay is learning from him as well, scoring a couple goals every now and then. It's just if you can get into Fred, if you can get into Matic. Matic is, again, a player that I want to see more of, but we don't see him en- enough, unfortunately. But little things like coaches' presence, telling them little little things of how to improve and it's something that I'm quite passionate and I'm really happy that it's actually happening and we've highlighted it as well. So, nicely yeah, done. Definitely.
1: Positioning is a big thing as well. Like, Darren Fletcher is one of the one of the great Premier League players. Like he goes underrated a lot, but he's won it all with um, Man United. He's been a brilliant player for them and was for so many years. So now he's progressing into that coach, Ryan. Michael Carrick's another one. He's a coach at the club and he's doing brilliant as well. And I genuinely believe that the reason your midfield in terms of Fernandez and Pogba and Scott McTominay have all improved this season massively. Obviously, Bruno's just world-class anyway, but the fact that Pogba, like you said, is doing it week in, week out now is down to them players. And Oli has got a great setup around him. And that's why he's doing really well. And it's good to see him do well because he got a lot of criticism. But I think in recent like months, he's won probably the least amount or lost the least amount of games of all the top managers in the league.
0: Yeah. And it's something that I've kind of complained about on the podcast before, about how fans can be very fickle. One week they're Oli out, one week that, oh, yeah, Oli's amazing. is yeah. at the wheel and all that crap. But personally, it's not always down to the manager. Like with Chelsea, it's not always down to Frank Lampard. But you got sacked. With Arteta, it wasn't always down to him. It's sometimes like with the Sheffield United game. You can't blame him because um, we conceded that stupid second goal against us. You can't blame him yeah. for the second goal we conceded against Everton and the third one against Calvert Lewin. It's individual mistakes, and players need to be accountable for that. And that's something yeah, that a team of yesteryear at Man United were accountable for. And so I made it known and Mourinho made yeah. it known and Van Hal made it known. But Solsha is one of those managers that protects his players from the media. So we always see that, oh, yeah, it's kind of I could have done things differently. But yeah, it's not always his fault, personally. In terms of the history of this of this fixture, Man United versus Newcastle United at, at Old Trafford. You said it was an entertaining fixture and I 100% agree with you as well. Hmm. There are times when, like, the Boxing Day one of 2012-13 when we won 4-3. Oh,
1: that's on my list as well. That <laughs> was a great guy.
0: Papacite scored that 3-2 goal, and I was literally just almost heartbroken. I was like, oh, my God, it's going to... I was working that day as well on Boxing Day. I was working uh, in retail at the time. Um, mm. But, yeah, I was literally there, and I was just like, oh, no, it's 3-2. And then, like, one hour or two hours later when I checked my phone, 4-3, and we won. oh, my God, this is incredible. It's amazing. And it's happened a lot with Man United at uh, Old Trafford as well. That Alexis Sanchez last minute winner against you a couple of years ago as well, when Eric Bayer got subbed off in the first half. That was a mm. good little memory as well when Mata scored that free kick. Martial and Pogba linked up and Alexis Sanchez probably one of his few goals in a Man United shirt, but it meant a lot at the time.
1: Yeah, that like like we said, this this game is one that I I love watching. Um, because I never know what's gonna happen. Obviously, the St. James's part fixtures are one ones we all crave because it, they're, they're normally great for us. Like some of my favourite ones are the 3 all uh, win in 2016. Uh, I was at university at the time. I remember watching it down the pub and Paul Dummett was a 90th minute volley to equalise. And that just, you know, it's, it's I couldn't believe it. But stereotypically, we lose this game quite a lot, unfortunately, uh, especially at Old Trafford. You guys have got a great record against us. Um, I don't actually think we've won Old Trafford. Since like the early noughties, like genuinely, it's been so so long, but um, yeah, that that one in 2012, the uh, the boxing day one. No, also no, no, the... no,
0: no, sorry since You won against us in that David Moyes season 2013 14. Yeah, you won one or two nil. I remember that you were in a yellow kit.
1: Oh, fair play. Then if we did, yeah, I'll t- I'll t- I mean, I'll take that. I didn't realize that.
0: No, again, that was in one in of those amazing.
1: We won... Was that in 2013 when we won 1-0, I think? Oh, was that the Kabaya goal in
0: 2013?
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you that back then. Yeah, no, I remember that one. Because Tim Krul was... had an absolute blinding game again. We always Definitely. have great goalkeeping displays against you. That's
0: when you your goalkeepers turn up, basically, which is annoying. Yeah. Like, they'll never turn That's up against things. your relegation battles or your mid-table battles. It's always against Man United, which is like... Exactly but Yeah, that was one of those records that David Moyes broke in that one season he managed us. We haven't lost against Newcastle since 19 whenever whenever. And in that season he lost and we lost against like teams like Norwich away and things like that. Yeah, it's awful, but it is what it is. But no, I'm really excited for the game. I reckon we will win 2-0. I reckon it's going to be one of those games that Man United will kind of press you against for 18 18 yard box and You'll mm. probably try and look at breaking from, say, Maximan, Joel Linton, Willick if he starts, Almiron. And that's just something that I believe that we'll end up doing, but we won't convincingly win against you personally.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm the same, but I, I think 3-0. I think what we lack, and I've said this uh, a lot when I speak to my friends and on my own podcast, is what we lack is um, a transitional midfielder. John, John Joe Shelby is a fantastic passer of the ball, but he can't run with it. Uh, he's not very good at transitioning. We try it with Maximum and Almiron, but we don't have anyone up there supporting them. A great example of people, a team that does this is um, Aston Villa. The way they have been this season with Grealish, Douglas-Louise, uh, even their right and left back, Matty Cash, uh, Target, the way they get forward and transition from defence to attack is brilliant. And that's what I want us to do. But unfortunately, we don't have the players for it. I was really hoping we'd sign a transitional midfielder in uh, like kind of a box-to-box in the January window. We didn't. I don't really see Joe Willock as a box-to-box midfielder. Uh, There was a French guy I really wanted us to go for. Um, I think his name was, uh, I think it was uh, Boubacari Soumari or something.
0: Soumari from Lille. Yeah, Lille on top of the French league at the moment. And he's a big Um, factor in that team.
1: Yeah, we were looking at him at the start of the season uh, over the like summer transfer window, even though it was in what September, October last year. But we were really looking at him and we thought, oh, we're going to get him. And Arsenal wanted him as well. And we were in the final stage and then Lil said, no, we're, we're pushing for titles. So we're going to try and keep him. They've kept him. And look where they are, top of the league. So, yeah, he's the player I really wanted. And now they're at the top of the league. We'll probably get beaten to him by like an Arsenal or a Man United or something like that, we, we definitely won't get him. But that's definitely the player we need to really kick on if we stay in the Premier League, which obviously we're, we're struggling to, but I hope we do.
0: Uh, I believe you'll stay in the Premier League. I think you've got too much quality there to not go down. But I do yeah. think you need a change of manager because Steve Bruce hasn't really proved himself in the last five to six years realistically the, the, as a good manager.
1: The only thing, the only kind of trouble I have with that is I don't know who we would replace him with. Uh, Like, I just see if we sack Steve Bruce, whilst we've got Mike Ashley, there'll be no desire to go and get a top, top manager. Um, Obviously, Rafa Benitez is available, but I don't think he'd want to come back under Ashley. Uh, I was gutted when we let him go because he was a world-class manager. He just needed a good board behind him. But I, I just imagine we'll get someone like Tony Pulis or Mark Hughes to just... Try and tide us over, and that's not the football I want to see. It's not what I want to watch as a Newcastle fan. The only viable option I had was Eddie Howe, but there's chances he could potentially be going Palace. So, I generally, if we do sack him, I don't know who we could possibly get. So that's my only worry. And it did come out what the other day that Thomas Tuchel wanted to come to Newcastle, but we didn't approach him like three, what? four years ago. Yeah, seriously, um, he, he said it in his press conference um, for that's the Chelsea mad. game. He said in his press conference that when he was available four or five years ago, um, he was interested in joining Newcastle, but we never approached him with an offer, um, even though like his agent had put the feels out that like he was interested, which is baffling because since then he's what done wonders at he done wonders at PSG. Even if he did get sacked, he was brilliant there. Obviously, he had a great time at Dortmund, and now he's had a great start to his life at Chelsea. So I don't know why we didn't. But you know, it's Mike Ashley's unpredictable, isn't he? rather
0: yeah. by Debenhams and Alsa Fraser. Yeah, he definitely would. And yeah. I was i was one of those fans that was like, just bewildered why you got rid of Rafa Benitez. Because again, former Liverpool Champions League winner, he would have actually taken you back up to the top half, into Europe, into... I believe he would have with a, with a good board, but that's something that is just non-existent at Newcastle at the moment. So we just have to focus on the football to keep things a bit bit more pleasant I would say
1: yeah the, the shocking thing about it and I still I still feel lucky to this day that we had him when we went down to the championship so obviously we signed him in January uh, or February even um, and we got 2015-2016 oh, and we got relegated but you know no one felt like we, we didn't blame him because it wasn't his fault he got brought in and he'd done his best but genuinely there was nothing he could do and then um, yeah unfortunately we did get relegated but he stayed with us luckily and we stayed up or we went straight back to the Premier League. Great first season in the Prem, back with him. You know, we finished like 12th or something, our highest finish in a few years. And then we didn't renew his contract and he wouldn't sign a new one until we gave him what he wanted, which was players. And Mike Ashley didn't want to do that.
0: Nah, it's it's, I just hate the fact that loads of boards have so much power over Newcastle. Even if you had a sporting director, they would be so much easier. But again, Mike Ashley is just one of these tyrant billionaires who just take over and do what he wants because he's got the power to do um but let's try and leave on a cheery note just to wrap this all up is there a cheery note for any Newcastle fans out there Newcastle
1: well you know hopefully Matty Longstaff plays and he scores a wonder goal again because he's played two games against you and he scored in both of them even if one of them was a 3-2 3-1 loss but you know come on the Longstaff brothers and we still hope uh uh, yeah 4-1 that was it um Right, do you have to remind me? <laughs> but uh, you know, hopefully the Longstaff Brothers play. Uh if not, the only positive note is there's still hope that we might get bought one day.
0: There's always that. There's always that. <laughs> it's, it's gonna happen. Just just hopefully. make sure it happens sometime soon. Um but yeah, positive note for a Man United fan. We could we could have we could win against Newcastle, probably the easiest team we've ever faced at Old Trafford. But my predictions have always been right on this podcast so far for <laughs> the previews. So Hopefully my 2-1 prediction is correct as well and we actually win. And we actually play some entertaining football and Solskjaer freshens it up a bit as well. I'd like to see a few different players every now and then. And it would be something nice to um, give some of our main players a break. Personally, I think 2 and Zabby would be a good starter with Maguire, but that's just me personally. Um, but no, thank you very much, Lewis, for your time. Thank you very much for answering the call at short notice. Enjoy the game and I will speak to you soon. If you want to just say anything more about your podcast, by all means, go ahead.
1: Yeah, just uh, on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, all of that, uh, It's Football Day Podcast. And we're on social media as well. uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter at It's Football Day underscore. So, yeah, feel free to check it out. Episodes every Friday at 12 o'clock.
0: Brilliant. Same with us. We've got our episodes as always on Fridays and we're on social media. You already follow us anyway, but thank you very much for your time, Lewis, and enjoy the game. Perfect. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy it too. Bye.